Good morning. It's Tuesday, September 7th. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. We're about to feel the effects of what some experts are calling the biggest and most abrupt end to government aid in U.S. history. Expanded unemployment benefits helped millions of people get by during the pandemic. Those benefits expired yesterday. Now more than 7 million people are losing all their benefits, and nearly 3 million more are losing a $300 weekly boost to state jobless benefits. The Washington Post reports on the potential broader impact of this, and it's part of an intense debate. Republicans and business groups argue that enhanced unemployment benefits take away incentives for people to look for new jobs. The Post cites a study that looks at what happened when more than two dozen states ended benefits early. And economists found that only one in eight people who lost benefits found a new job. Several employers told The Post they're noticing a few different reasons why people aren't coming back to work, like fear of getting sick and lack of affordable childcare. This study also found a sharp reduction in spending, which could have a painful ripple effect. If millions of people have less money in their pockets, restaurants and other businesses that depend on consumer spending could be hurt by the reduced business. One economist tells The Post, cutting benefits could cause people to spend $8 billion less this month and next. The Post reports that White House policymakers are nervous that the end of these benefits could push millions of people into poverty. Last month, the Biden administration told states they could use funds from the March stimulus package to make up for some of the lost aid. But the Post checked in with dozens of states, and nearly all of them said they had no plans to do so. One of the most important water sources in the United States is drying up. And it's happening faster than many people expected. The Colorado River runs uh, through seven states for 1,400 miles from Wyoming down into Mexico through Arizona. And it is the primary source of fresh water for 40 million people. That's Abram Lusgarden. He's a ProPublica reporter. He's done a lot of reporting on the effects of climate change around the world. And he recently wrote about how this crucial body of water is so rapidly declining. The Colorado River's been in trouble for a long, long time, and part of it's structural. When the states divided up how they would share that water, they divided up more shares than actually existed in the river. So right from the start, they set up a system where they would steadily deplete the river. Then climate change came along, and climate change is dramatically decreasing the flows of the Colorado. The flows have dropped by about 20% over the last 20 years and could drop by 50% by the end of the century. Last month, federal officials declared an emergency water shortage on the Colorado River. It's the first time that's ever happened. Experts have long predicted that if people can't agree on how to get their water usage under control, the river eventually won't be able to support the farms and homes that rely on it. The bottom line is that communities across the American West will find themselves short of this essential resource, and it'll ultimately affect their food supplies, it'll affect their lifestyle and the communities and the parks and facilities around them, and it'll make it more difficult to live in this region. So yeah, while things will get worse for the Colorado River, Lusgarden says it's still possible to do something. 
the decline in the river is kind of a foregone conclusion. There will be less water to work with. But there's lots of opportunities for changes. You know, adaptation can include new laws and new efficiency and new equipment and recycling of water and things like that. So the best case scenario is that we can all come to some agreements and some joint sacrifice that makes the new normal on the Colorado River sustainable for a long time into the future. Major cities in America saw a spike in violent crimes during the pandemic, and communities are trying to figure out how to reverse this rise. New research shows there's one approach that may help reduce crime, helping people fix their homes. Bloomberg City Lab reports on this new study. Researchers looked at a program in Philadelphia in the 1990s that gave people money to make home repairs. People who live in low-income neighborhoods could get up to $20,000. The priority was not cosmetic changes. This money was primarily to fix major structural problems. Busted pipes, leaky roofs, faulty wiring. The kind of things that make a home feel unsafe. These researchers found blocks where homes got repairs had about 22% less crime overall. And as more homes got fixed up, the block got even safer. This impact on crime held up over several years. Living in unsafe housing can make you lose sleep and cause high stress. And there's just something about making people's homes safer that seems to make streets safer, too. These new findings line up with past research. An earlier study found in areas that cleaned up vacant lots, gun crime fell. Crime is complex. It cannot be fixed through housing upgrades alone. But researchers point out spending a few thousand dollars helping people make their homes safer is a lot cheaper than some other crime reduction policies. bit of a love-hate thing with business cards. When I was a local news reporter, I would come back from a day out in the field and shake out my bag over my desk, and I'd have a pile of cards that I'd collected from the day with all my notes on who each person was. Now, I get that business cards are useful, but they're definitely old-fashioned and easy to lose, especially when so many other things in our work lives have gone digital. Before the pandemic, an estimated 7 billion business cards were printed annually. When COVID lockdown started, one of the largest business card printers said global sales declined 70%. And now that so many office jobs are going remote, the BBC looks into whether the pandemic may finally kill off paper business cards and also what might replace them. QR codes have grown in popularity during the pandemic. Maybe you've used your phone to scan one to pull up a restaurant menu. Now more people are using QR codes to exchange contact information. Some people even put QR codes in their video call backgrounds. This could play out differently in different parts of the world. The BBC speaks to a business etiquette coach in Asia. She's pointing out, in places including China, Japan, and South Korea, the ritual of exchanging business cards carries a lot of significance. She thinks it's something the pandemic can change, but not eliminate. She's not planning to stop giving out her cards. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're in the app, keep listening to hear narrated articles from our News Plus partners. We'll talk with you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.